Welcome to the Sustainability Learning Center, everybody. Um, my name is Edith Gonzalez, and I am an executive director of account management with JLL. Um, sorry, my screen just went away, and... So at JLL, we take a responsible and sustainable approach in all that we do while working to shape the future of real estate. We're pleased to sponsor the Sustainability Learning Center Theater, and now it is my pleasure to introduce Mr. John Walker, Director of Sustainability and Wellness at HLW, and Annie Block, Sustainability Analyst at HLW, and they will be speaking with us today on decarbonization dynamics, how to achieve a low-carbon interiors project. Thank you, Edith and JLL for sponsoring uh, sponsoring this pavilion. Um, as Edith said, I'm John Swalker. I'm the Global Director of Sustainability and Wellness at HLW and Annie Block, Associate Senior Sustainability Analyst at HLW. So today we're going to talk a little bit about um, decarbonization of, of a project that we worked on in, in New York City, uh, just above Times Square. And we're going to tell you about how we achieved some decarbonization strategies for that for that project. So, just a quick uh, agenda. We got 20 minutes. We'll make this very brief. So, we're going to talk a little about the firm, the project overview, some photographs, and then we're going to dive into those strategies. So, just real quick about HLW. We are a global uh, architecture and design firm. We've been around for a long time, since 1885, and we have offices in New York. That's where we're headquartered. That's where Annie and I work out of. But we also have offices in London, New Jersey, Connecticut, and Los Angeles. So we are a full-service design firm, and um, we really think uh, very strategically about what our client needs. We're not interested in copy-paste design. We're more interested in client-focused design. This is just some of our projects here, mainly interiors-focused, but also a lot of adaptive reuse and some base-build new construction resi projects. Beyond is the in-house sustainability consultancy within HLW. That's the team that I manage. So sort of a unique offering where we can be lead consultants, well consultants for, for all of our projects, but also be consultants outside of the firm. So that's the team that we run. It's called Beyond. And then this is just some shots of um, some of our projects. So to kick it off, we're going to do a little exercise. So if you want to scan this QR code with your phone, we're going to launch into a couple questions and sort of gauge, gauge the audience and see, uh, see, what, uh, see where we are. We'll pull it up again. All right, so everyone take out their cell phone. Go ahead and scan the QR code or go to the URL, type in the eight-digit number. We're good? Okay. Great. So first question, have you worked on a project that has focused on decarbonization? Answer yes or no. It is interesting, yeah. Okay. It's better than I thought. Now, question number two. If you've been to New York City, I'm sure you've stepped foot in Times Square. How does it make you feel? Pick an emoji. Okay. That's fair. 
Oh, one happy, two happy. No angry yet. Okay, about right. So we we wanted to just talk a little bit about Times Square and understand the decarbonization uh, knowledge sort of in the room, because uh, uh, just to sort of understand where people are. And what's interesting is like a 50-50 split. So we wanted to also mention Times Square because this is, for us at HLW, this is sort of a return to Times Square. We actually designed one Times Square back in 1938, the, the building where the ball drops from. It doesn't look as beautiful as this anymore. It's clad in advertising and signage. But it was sort of fun for us because we got to work on a project that literally is down the street from, from and in Times Square. So our project actually looks over uh, one Times Square at uh, 1540 Broadway. Um, this is our this is our building, and this is the this is the Schrodinger project, which which we're going to talk about. So before we get into the project details, we wanted to show you some shots of the space. It's really beautiful. So here you have the reception desk. You can see a little bit of the green wall uh, to the right. Uh, this is the cafe. You can see some decorative lighting up top with that blue fancy light. Um, use of materials, tiles, walls. Each floor within the project, so there's four floors, it's a little over 100,000 square feet, each floor represents a different component of science. So this is the biology floor, and you can see the different uh, cells uh, decorated over the wall. This is the nucleus floor, um, a green wall, bright text on top. And then this is the physics floor, so math equations, actually handwritten by one of the Schrodinger employees themselves, and then our internal signage team, Brand X, within HLW, they actually designed all of the signage for this project, so did a beautiful job of uh, transcribing the handwriting to the wall. So the session before, uh, John from Perkins and Will did an amazing job at sort of describing embodied carbon and the importance of reducing this issue in the built environment. And this is just another way to tell that story. So if we're going to solve climate change, um, we have to do operational carbon and we have to solve the embodied carbon situation, right? And so this is just a graphic showing you a typical building and sort of the carbon makeup of a typical building uh, with operational carbon and embodied carbon. But if you, if you still build a really hyper-efficient building, and don't address the embodied carbon issue, it's still a problem. So what, what we're trying to do within HLW and all of our projects is address both, right? Design a building that's hyper-efficient uh, from an operational perspective, but then also focus on materials and everything that gets selected and procured that has a lower embodied carbon uh, footprint. And we're going to sort of discuss with, with you how we, how we did that. Um, it's also important to, to point out our commitment to the AIA 2030 challenge. And so this is a challenge that HLW has signed up for, which commits us to striving towards net zero by 2040 in embodied carbon and operational carbon. And so this is just showing you sort of 
where we need to be trending. And so when we do a project, we actually look at the target uh, reduction required from AIA and try to hit that target for that project or beat it. That's sort of our driver. And that's, that's what we look at for, um, for all of our projects with the goal of hope, hopefully being to zero by 2040. Amazing work that Perkins & Will is doing um, with all their projects as well. So uh, it's, good to see, it's good to see designers really focusing on this. It's, it's refreshing. So probably tricky to read in the back, but the, just wanted to share this slide, which is sort of all of the gates that go into a full life cycle analysis from an embodied carbon perspective. And for our projects, we really focus on A1 through A3 gate. So you know, this is the extraction. This is the transport of, of those things to the site. So where you get things matters, right? It's, it's one thing to specify drywall from Pittsburgh. It's another to specify drywall from China. Obviously, that's, there's going to be a different embodied carbon impact from where you select things. And then what goes into how things are manufactured? What is that embodied carbon for how things are made and manufactured? So these are kind of the three gates that we look at um, for, for, this, for this specific project for embodied carbon. So when we perform the life cycle assessment for embodied carbon, we look at four main product categories, flooring, walls, ceilings, and glass. And the reason it's really limited to those four is because the industry has not yet caught up with publicly disclosing embodied carbon on EPDs. So right now, there is really robust data across these four categories. We're hoping other finishes and materials will be incorporated into the LCA as time goes on. But these are the main four we focused on for this project. Oh, yeah. So what's really great about being in-house within a larger design team is that we work in tandem with the design team, with the architects. So as early as schematic design, we are in conversations with the design team, with the client, specifying products that we know will have a low embodied carbon. So we work all throughout design, and then again in construction with the contractor to specify, again, those low embodied carbon products like insulation, things that the contractor is specifying, less from an aesthetic perspective, more from a performance perspective. At the end of the project, we then take all of the quantities of all the materials, put them in a program called one-click LCA, and the calculation is complete against a baseline and says what percent reduction you achieve for your project. Yeah, and, and he made it sound very simple. One-click LCA is definitely not one-click. Um, it's a lot of work. But um, so, so, and I think the value of sort of focusing on these categories is they're, they're like your, your, um, your, 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 your problem areas, really, right? Because we use so much of it. We use so much drywall. There's so much carpet. Um, there's so much glass. And so these are the areas that sort of if you want to have the biggest bang for your buck and, and, and focus on something that is, uh, has a lot of embodied carbon implications, but you don't have to do the entire, the, everything that goes into your project, right? That, if you want to start somewhere, this is probably a good bucket to start with. Um, and then this is, this is sort of showing you uh, the first proposed design, like we were informing the design team of, of what we could do and what, you know, informing the client of what we could do. And then we, they sort of, uh, 
selected some things and then we modeled that, okay? And then we went back and said, you know what? If we did this instead of this, if we selected this, you know, carpet tile from Interface that has a net zero carpet backing from an embodied carbon perspective, we could really reduce this number. That's one example of the thing that we sw switched out. Um, however, this, this project was kind of done during the pandemic and kind of done during a, a, an issue with the supply chain. If you, if you all, were, I'm sure you've all worked on projects during the supply chain issue. We're still going through that. So there were some, there were some um, things that we wanted to push for that we weren't able to get. So, for example, um, the glass partition, uh, you know, actually went up a little bit in, in, from an embodied carbon perspective because it was just unavailable, and we, we had to change that out. Um, so this is just showing you, and you can see sort of the, the, biggest, the biggest impact has to do with the walls and the drywall. It's not a very interesting topic. It's super boring, but those decisions really matter because there's so much of it, right? So if you can make those wise decisions where you're using something that's super ubiquitous and, and, and large volumes, that's where you can have a real big impact. So um, we showed this to the client, and we, we communicated this throughout the project with, with our design team. Um, and we wanted to show this on a, on, a, on a bar chart, and we wanted to put a sort of a marker where the AIA 2030 goal would be for this project during this year. So that was our marker. We did not want to exceed that. So that, in our mind, we, we, that was the baseline, and we wanted to do better than that. So we were able to actually bring, so that, that marker is almost 80 kilograms of CO2 equivalent per meter squared. That was the AIA goal. We brought this project to, to almost, under, almost under 60, 61.19. So we beat, we beat the AIA goal for this project, and so that was really the, the, really the driver for it. And then just sort of showing you again um, against the baseline, the industry average, which is 135, and then showing the AAA goal of a 41% reduction, and then showing the first design, where the first design came out. So actually, the first design was not meeting the AAA goal. So that's where we kind of really had to think about what design decisions can we change and make. Um, and then the second design was about 58% uh, reduction, and we ended up with about a 55% because of those supply chain issues and some of the things that weren't really available in the market. But that, all that being said, this, this exercise, a lot of people are like, well, that, was that super expensive to specify these things, or was that, was that a super uh, problem with the schedule? And the answer is no, because we do it at the same time. So... Um, we, we always want to look at costs. We always want to understand um, availability, schedule impacts. And um, for this project, at least, none of those things were affected. It was just being smart about what we, what we specified and modeling all those things. John mentioned EPDs at the previous session, making sure that everything that we're, we're trying to get a hold of has an EPD so we understand what's in it or what, what the impact was. Um, and so... Luckily, we're able to get a 55% reduction. And we're seeing, at least on our projects, anywhere between 30 to 60% reduction on the projects that we work on. That's kind of the sweet spot at the moment. Um, we haven't got to zero yet. We want to. Um, maybe the next one. So any questions or, or, or comments? What, what the question was, what percent of the total budget, project budget, to, to, my, to our team? Mm. 
total project budget? Like what percent of, uh, what, 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 are, what is our consulting fee basically, right? Oh. Oh, okay. The question is, how much how much of the budget is allocated to procuring sustainable materials? That's not a conversation we had because it's negligible. Like, yeah, I think the fact that we're involved so early on with the design team and the owner and everyone, we're making these decisions at the start. So it's not like we're 50% through the design and things have to be changed and repurchased, right? We're in there early. We're having these conversations. We're driving the direction of the project. So negligible. Also, I think sort of not, this doesn't get discussed too much. I think John mentioned it at the previous session, but less is more. Like you don't need to have ACT tiles. If you don't need to, ha need to have ACT tiles in every room, why, why do that, right? So if you can eliminate that from the project, that reduces your, up your embodied carbon, but it's also, you don't pay for that, right? It's just like, you know, less is more. Yeah, so, Um, the question still is <laughs> how much, how much added cost for sustainable materials, right? Negligible for this project. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a conversation actually. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sometimes they are more expensive, for sure. I should also say this project was Lead Gold, Fitwell, and Well Health Safety. If you, we have another session after this one. We're going to speak down downstairs. We'll talk about all of that. If you want to come to that one and hear all about the lead stuff, but um, it's a good question. But I think I think five years ago, five ten years ago, I would tell you five percent, seven percent more. But it's it's not that way anymore. It's. it's it's uh, procuring the right things at the right time. What was the question? The question was, is there a premium to specifying more sustainable materials, materials that have less embodied carbon, right? That, that's the question. And I, I, it's really negligible. Probably half a percent, maybe. Yeah. Other questions? Thank you very much.